Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop, and I'm glad you've tuned in with us because our time together on these podcasts is meant to equip you and inspire you to help you learn and grow and gain new ideas and insights that compel you to action, that compel you to live life courageously and confidently, and to live a life that is unhindered and unleashed, to play full out and live fully into who you were created to be. And on today's show, I get the opportunity to sit down with Kelly Worrell to talk about her book, 20 Things We Tell Our 20-Something Selves, that she co-authored with her husband, Peter. And let me just say that this book will have meaning and impact for you, no matter your age, because it is full of practical insight and wisdom to live a life unleashed for all ages. A little bit about Kelly. She's an author, speaker, and professor of communications at Moody Bible Institute, Along with 20 Things We Tell Our 20-Something Selves, she is also the author of her newly released second book, Pierced and Embraced. Kelly studied communications at Cedarville University and received her master's from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and a degree in creative writing at Roosevelt University. She and her husband, Peter, have two kiddos through adoption, Daryl and Amelia. Well, Kelly... Good to be in your presence, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be in your presence again. We've Mm -hmm. got a chance to hang out a couple of times, so just glad to be in your space and talk about this book, because I've read it before, and then I was rereading it again, and as we were emailing back and forth, you said, okay, which of the 20 things are we going to talk about? Because the truth is, we could probably do 20 podcasts (laughs) and spend time on each one. And so I was having a really difficult time responding to you because I thought, Mm -hmm. which ones are we going to pick for Mm -hmm. today? And so the ones that we're going to talk about, and hopefully we'll get to a handful of them, are ones that I personally found value in when Mm -hmm. I was in my 20s and and things, frankly, in my 40s that I'm still wrestling with that I'm hoping hoping to make a little progress on. Yeah. So thanks for writing the book. And what was it it like actually writing this book with your husband? (laughs) It, it was it was a lot of fun and a lot of hard work, as you can imagine. Oh, so yeah. We, uh, we enjoyed the process. We had worked together on some other projects, but nothing of this magnitude. So it was a journey, but we kind of noticed in new ways kind of how God has brought us together for such a time as this and mm. how we each bring strengths to the table and we can help each other with our weaknesses. So it, it was a joy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it was a great outcome. And in the beginning of the book, this is something you guys say. You say, these 20 things have grown out of our own regrets, Mm -hmm. out of a gut level compassion for who we were back then, from a wish that somehow we could step back through time, give our 20-something selves a hug, shake our 20-something shoulder at times, and sit down with our 20-something selves for a long heart-to-heart over a vanilla latte and a piece of chocolate cake. I like the vanilla latte. I love me too. Was that your addition or was that Peter's? Okay. That's me. (laughs) I love that. And I know that many of us would have loved to have a mentor or someone to help us navigate our 20s. Mm. So tell us a little bit about what led up to you writing this book and why would you say these topics are relevant to people in their 20s and beyond? Yeah, I sometimes jokingly say that a more accurate title of the book would be 20 things that I'm still learning in my 40s <laughs> that I wish I had known in my 20s because had I known them in my 20s, my 30s probably would have looked a lot different. Yeah. Uh, and so the book truly is 
grows out of a reflection on on my 30s, actually. Hmm. And I met Peter uh, just before I turned 30, and we got married and headed into marriage and with all the hopes and dreams, and uh, and things went great for a year or two, and then the wheels started to fall off. And hmm. we entered a season, uh, kind of our Job season, which a lot of us have seasons like that, yeah. where it just seems like life knocks you for six. It's thing hmm. after thing and pain after pain. And for us, that involved the death of three of our parents within a short span of time and uh, helping two of our parents through cancer treatment um, and then a season of infertility wow. and you know longing to have a family and that dream not happening and uh, and then several disrupted adoptions on the heels of that and hmm. so just a very painful time and and I didn't handle it particularly well hmm. uh, I went into some deep depression for quite an extended period and was just furious with God, yeah. raged against him mm. uh, for a long, long time. And uh, Peter would tell you he wasn't sure where I would land at the end of all that, if I would come out of it with my faith intact. Yeah. And... Uh, and I was the the good Christian girl. You know, I grew up in a Christian home and went to Christian schools and was in ministry and had a seminary degree. And yet my faith uh, was falling to pieces. Mm. And, and I didn't, it shocked me, I think, yeah. a, a bit. Like, how could this happen? Uh, and so as I was coming out of it uh, and writing through it, um, uh, you know, just looking back at my 20s, wondering, uh, what could I have done differently? And what are some of those lessons that I, I should have really known mm. uh, that may have helped me navigate those storms of life a bit better? Yeah. And so you thought, I think it started with a blog post, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Moody gave me a sabbatical from my teaching job a few years ago. And so I was, I started a blog called This Odd House and I was blogging about spiritual development and a lot of memoir type writing, uh, writing through my own journey, my own faith journey. And so I got to that period where I was writing about my 20s and uh, wrote a little blog post that I called 20 Things I Might Have Told My 20-something Self and mm. posted it. And it, it seemed to resonate. It got a lot of shares for my wow. brand new blog. And uh, so I sent it over to Relevant Magazine and they published it and it did well at Relevant, seemed to resonate with a lot of people. And so Moody Publishers came to me and said, you know, we think I had already been talking to them about another book possibility, uh, which they had passed on. But then they came to me and said, we think maybe this is the book you need to write. Mm. And my initial response was, no, 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 I have other <laughs> ideas and I want to do this over here. And uh, upon further reflection, God kind of opened my eyes to the, the fact that that this was something that that could possibly help people. So, wow, wow, yeah. and I, and I love hearing your story. And just thanks for sharing authentically with us. Mm. I think when we share our stories, and the power of story is that we find out we have a lot more in common, and that I'm not the only one with depression. I'm not the only one yeah. that struggles in my faith and has doubt. And it kind of normalizes things a little bit, so we don't feel like we have to be in hiding and isolation. Absolutely. And I love the authenticity of your book, and that and with which you and Peter share too, because. This book is really a lot of your own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I appreciated the way that it was just so relational in, in reading it. It wasn't just a bunch of information. Thank you. It yeah. was almost like you read it and you almost 
feel like you were kind of sitting in the same room with both of you, having yeah. a cup of coffee or a latte and a piece yeah, of chocolate right? cake, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, let's dive into some of the 20 things we'd tell our 20-something selves. And right out of the gate, the first one mm-hmm. is examine your foundation carefully. And something you say in the, the opening of that chapter is, it's your worldview. Look deeply at what you value and what you believe about God and man and truth and reality then make it your own because it will affect every decision you make because life has a way of picking you up and tossing you around and you will always want to nail the landing. I love that, nailing the landing. But tell us a little bit about what does it mean to examine your foundation carefully? Yeah, this idea of worldview is something that, uh, in particular, Peter is really strong on. He teaches a class at Moody called uh, Faith and Learning, where he challenges students to really examine their worldview. But I think the the important thing to recognize about worldview, first off, is just that we all have one. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's what guides our every decision. And it's not just what we profess. It's not what we say we believe. It's what we truly believe. And and that affects every decision we make, every choice that we have, and, and the way that we navigate our life on a daily basis. And so worldview has to do with, you know, what we truly believe about God, mm-hmm. what we truly believe about mankind and the nature of mankind, uh, what we value, what we, you know, the things that we value, we might say we value such and such, you know, I, got, I value God uh, above all else. But yet, on a daily basis, where we put our time and where we put our money, does that really reflect what we might say we value? Uh, also has to do with what we believe about truth and knowledge. Um, is there an absolute truth? Is there not? And and so these are our foundational things. Like I said, they affect every decision we make. And, and we all have a worldview. We're all... Um, given a worldview, handed a worldview, we all develop a worldview, and there's a lot of pieces that go into that. And obviously our family background plays an important part. Our education has gone into building our worldview. Society speaks Mm. to us constantly about our worldview, what we should believe, what we should value. And so it needs to be examined. Yeah. Do you think uh, a lot of people are even conscious or have consciously chosen their worldview, because I think there are so many outside or external influences that I'm just wondering, you know, someone may have a stance or state a position, but I've had circumstances where you ask someone why they think what they think, and they really don't know. It's like my mom told me, or, you know, I I read it somewhere. So just really not owning. Is that? Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think yeah. about that? I, I think you're exactly right. I think, and I think that's why we open with this chapter because too many of us haven't thought critically about our worldview mm-hmm. and what we believe. We've just sort of absorbed it uh, and it guides everything. So it's pretty important. Right. You know, it's important that we do own it and think critically about it and weigh up, you know, what we're holding to be true against scripture and, uh, you know, seeing where we all have holes in our worldview, undoubtedly. No, mm-hmm. no one of us thinks perfectly Christianly. Right. You know, Jesus Christ would be the only one who could claim that. So we all have work to do on worldview. I don't think any of us has it nailed. Uh, and so examining our own thought process, I think, is, is very important. Yeah, and even being aware yeah. of how has my worldview been formed. And you mentioned 
It's the ideas that actually control our lives. Yeah. And often without realizing it. And it's what drives our every thought, every decision, every move we make. It affects how we relate to other people, what we feel and what we do under pressure. It informs how we spend our money and how we spend our time, which you mentioned a little mm-hmm. bit earlier. And so it's, you know, we, as you said, we could say we believe one thing, but what does my, my life actually point to, I believe? And then saying, is that, ac- is that actually what I want to believe in? And how yeah. can I take more ownership of that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's good. I once heard, uh, I don't know if this is quite in the same realm, but uh, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Yeah. And it's almost like, again, decide what you believe in and be curious too. Yeah. You know, be curious and do your own due diligence and do your own wrestling and do your own searching and don't take everything at face value, right? In order for something to become our own we have to wrestle it down and have to really work hard at some of those things Mm -hmm. to form in us. Yeah. Yeah. We sometimes say that, you know, a thesis statement for this book could be, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the first few chapters, including this one we're talking about, have to do with the life of the mind. Hmm. And, you know, that we're called to love God, not just with our heart. You know, it's not just an emotional response that he's asking from us, but he's asking for an intellectual response, that we love him with our mind. Yeah. And I think a big part of how we do that is to think Christianly, to think rightly, to think biblically. Hmm. Well, that reminds me of another uh, one of the 20 things feed yourself because you talk mm-hmm. about, you know, what we feed our body, but you also talk about what we feed our mind. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think feeding ourselves. my hope is that that chapter is all-encompassing. You know, what we take into our body, that we are a good steward of that, that we learn how to to feed our being. You know, God has given us this body. And again, it's a an emotional uh, being that we are. We are intellectual beings. We are physical beings. And so learning how to um, just be thoughtful and careful with what we take in mm. uh, is what this chapter is about. And so we start with the physical, like learning how to feed ourselves physically. I teach that's that. like a, that, that's like a no brainer. It's like, I'm feeding, I'm eating. I know like yeah. healthy things are bad things for me, but you were saying you teach. We te- I teach at Moody Bible Institute. And so I'm around undergraduate students a lot. And, you know, we joke about the freshman 15 or whatever. Oh. There are some very <laughs> basic, you know, physical feeding uh, tools and truths that a lot of students need to learn. A lot of young people need to learn when you're out on your own and maybe you're used to mom feeding you, uh, just learning how to be good stewards of your body. And, and that can look different ways, right? We can overeat, we can undereat, undernourish right. ourselves. And so learning how to do that is a basic life skill mm-hmm. uh, that I think we need to learn as we grow into adulthood. Uh, but then learning how to feed our emotional life, learning how to feed ourselves spiritually mm. uh, and mentally, as you were saying, connecting it to that first chapter. What do we take in? Uh, you know, what we what we dwell on uh, mentally affects us so much. And so we think, I think sometimes we think that we can watch, you know, whatever media we want to watch or we can listen to whatever music we want to listen to and that it has no effect. Uh, but it affects our mind. Yes. These messages that we pour in and that we meditate on. Right. And uh, so being, again, good stewards of that yeah. is so important. And I love that you guys talk about that because, again, we do think about our bodies and what we put in or put out, you know, don't allow in as far as food and exercise and everything else. But I don't think that we really, really pay attention or are as astute as what we 
put in our minds, as you yeah. mentioned. And, and just I think about social media. I think mm -hmm. about movies, as you said, as about, you know, some of the things on cable these days. You know, we, we especially as believers of Christ, you know, I don't want to criticize anybody for watching some of these shows. I just, but I want to help people to be awakened to the fact that whatever you take in is what eventually comes out, yeah, right? Absolutely. And, I, and I even think about friends that I know that are in advertising and marketing, and they know how many times you have to see an impression of a product before you buy yeah. it. I remember one time, this is years ago, when I was on this really like healthy eating kick. This is yeah. kind of a goofy story, but I was on the road traveling for business. And at that time, Snickers had the Snickers satisfies. Like it was on, I felt it was on every billboard, on the top of taxi cabs. And this girl does not eat out of vending machines. Yeah. But one night I walked by a vending machine and by gosh, if I didn't have a Snickers bar. <laughs> now I know that that sounds ridiculous, but the no. point is, is I was bombarded with so many impressions of this yeah. that yeah. I eventually kind of did something that I really didn't want to do. And yeah. so that's the same thing with yep. these other things that we're putting into our mind. I th even think about songs. Yes. Sometimes we don't even listen to the, to the lyrics, but, yes. and sometimes I get just kind of get caught up in the beat and I'm like rocking out jamming. And then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, was that the line in the song? And then people listening right now are probably thinking, Lisa B, you're such a prude. I'm not a prude. I swear <laughs> I'm fun. But I just began realizing there's actually scientific research that shows that there are neural pathways in our brain that get formed. They're kind of like highways on our brain. And the more we focus on a thought, the more that thought becomes like ingrained. It's kind of like if you're driving down the highway and you kind of, your car goes into a, a rut, that's kind of like the brain activity. So what is, yeah. what are those neural pathways that we're creating in our brain? Are they healthy and positive yep. or are they, they not? And so I just want to encourage our listeners just to think about, you know, what are the things that you spend time on social media wise? What are the, what's the music you listen to? What are the movies? There's movies that I just won't go see because I think mm -hmm. I just don't want those impressions in my brain. Yeah. You know, so just think about it and you may think I'm wackadoo, you guys, but that's okay. <laughs> but even stop long enough to say, hmm, how am I nourishing my brain and my mind. What am I putting in? Is is it really going to get me to a point of what I want to come out? Yes. And it's going to help me thrive and grow. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Peter often does a little exercise in his class that he tells me about where he will start to recite some song lyrics mm. and his class will finish them. Oh. Right. And he will say, you know, like, nobody told you to memorize that, right? Nobody told you to put that in your brain, but you've listened to it and it's there. Right. Um, it's in your mind. And so he often has them bring in kind of one of the songs they're listening to at the time and they really examine the lyrics together and look there, kind of connecting that to worldview. Like, what, what is of value in this song? Uh, what does this song say we should believe is true? And, and so on, and kind of thinking critically about it again. Right, is right. Is really the messages I want to be holding on to? Yeah, and there's that thinking word again. Like, are, are we even thinking, or are we kind of, like, mindly and you know, numbingly just... Absorbing. Right, right. So body, mind, soul, spirit are all the ways that we need to be really aware of how we feed ourselves. Yeah. Well, the other thing that is in uh, this book, one of the 20 things, is take risks. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that one? Because sure. I don't think that I have, um, I take calculated risks. <laughs> I have one friend of mine, we, we kind of joke, I'm on the spectrum of, okay, if there's a diving board, I'm going to walk up the diving board and I'm going to assess the wind, 
where it's mm-hmm. coming from. I'm going to assess the temperature. I'm going to look down. Is there enough water in the pool? How warm or how cold is it? And then I might jump. Yeah. My friend's like, diving board? She's doing a <laughs> cannonball on this thing, you know. And so yeah. either way has its upshots and downshots. Yeah. But tell us a little bit m- more about taking risks. And you say in the opening of this chapter, following God's leading boldly into the unknown, heed his call, leaving the outcome in his hands. As a wise friend advised me when we were contemplating putting our hearts on the line to foster our now adopted son, Daryl, do what you won't regret. I love that. Mm-hmm. Do what you won't regret. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think taking risks, I'm kind of more with you yeah. on the natural bent I'm sorry. risk-taking. <laughs> no, and my husband is more like your friend. Uh, and so I like to take precautions and overthink things and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I think the, the important caveat here is to follow God's leading. Mm. Uh, we're not certainly advocating just foolhardy nature, do whatever, you know, feels good. Or That's a great uh, distinction. So, yeah, when God calls, though, as he often does, calls us out of our comfort zone, yeah. then we need to go. Mm. And and so well, there's interesting, few interesting things in this chapter. The study with uh, that Tony Campolo did uh, that Peter saw when he was in his team. Uh, they interviewed, uh, what does it say here, 50 people uh, who were over the age of 95 Mm -hmm. and asked them, what would you do differently if you could live your life all over again? And the number one thing that people said was, I would take more risks. Wow. I would step out more Mm. um, and take more, which I think is so fascinating. Uh, And so, and we use the story of Moses. It's one of my favorite narratives in uh, the Old Testament is the story of Moses in Exodus 3 and 4 when God calls him from the burning bush. And it's a story many of us are familiar with. Uh, but God calls him, you know, way out of his comfort zone. And and I love Moses because he has all of these excuses why he is the <laughs> wrong person for the job. And I resonate with that so much. Like, not me. Nobody's going to listen to me. Who am I? Uh, and he you know, stuttered even, fear. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was supposed to be this person communicating. He's like, I, I, I have a speech issue. How are people yeah. going to hear me? Yeah. 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 And then he does it. Yeah. And God, God's response to every one of Moses's, you know, he's like, but, but, but I, I can't do this. Mm. And God keeps coming back and turning him right around and saying, it's not, but, 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 but I, it's behold, I, mm. behold, That's I good. watch what I am going to do. Mm. Uh, and so I know there've been a few times in our lives where God has called us to do things. Writing this book is one of them. Uh, I didn't feel adequate. Uh, you know, who am I to write a book? And uh, but to see God step in and God do the work. And then the other narrative is is with our son Daryl was such a clear testimony of God calling us. We were still really raw from infertility and other failed adoptions when Daryl came across our path. And uh, so it took us a couple of weeks of prayer and seeking the advice of friends and uh, people who kind of spoke into our lives. But even that was complicated because one person one day would say, yeah, go for it. And then and somebody the next day would say, no, this wow. is too risky. That would be and, confusing. But, oh, so confusing. And I would say every day we were back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on what we were supposed to do. Uh, and it was my my colleague at Moody who sat me down. I just was at the end of my rope. I'm like, what do I do? What do mm. we do here? There's this little baby who is coming into foster care. 
and we know that taking him into our lives, into our home is risky. Mm. Uh, we don't know if we'll be able to adopt him. Uh, I don't know if my heart can handle loving him like my own only to send him back mm. into a difficult situation. And, uh, and when she said to me, do what you won't regret, wow. I knew that I would always regret not taking him home. I knew that mm. as painful as it would be, I would not regret loving him. Wow. And so it was a huge risk. Yeah. And you know, and those risks don't always pan out. I mean, ours has a happy ending and it, and it did turn out that we were able to adopt him. And I know that's not always the case, Right. but, but following God beyond our own comfort, uh, I think is, is what he often calls us to do. Hmm. I love that. And it is being reminded that, you know, of our own strength, that's not where it's at. It's how can I lean into God, trust God, mm. and the outcome may be not what I anticipated or what I wanted, but do I still believe God is yeah. good? And that life happens. You mentioned the comfort zone thing. Life happens outside of our comfort zone because yeah. God doesn't want us to play it safe, Yeah. right? And to yeah. live a life that is unleashed is to step out, take risk, and live more into that freedom of possibility. And I, I just love, again, what will you risk not doing or however, how did you say that again? What was the, do what you won't regret. Yeah. Do what you won't regret. Yeah. And we have to have some sensibility about it, that it right. just isn't, as you said, this whim or, you know, you, you want to make sure that it's, it's healthy, it's beneficial, it benefits you, it benefits others, it makes a good contribution. These are, you know, there are different, mm -hmm. you know, filters we need to put that through. Yeah. But if there's a, there's something burning in our hearts or a, a dream, or we feel like God's nudging us towards something is, am I going to step out in faith and take the risk yeah. to do it? Yeah. Amen. That's good. And then some of the questions for reflection that you have, and that's another thing I love about this book is that you not only tell your stories and kind of explain each of these 20 things, but you also give questions for reflection and discussion, which I love mm -hmm. because a lot of times when we reread books, it can be information, but not transformation, right? Yeah. But what you guys do is you take this information, you take your personal stories, and then you actually give us an opportunity to be transformed because anytime we reflect on something and we pray about it and bring it to God, we are more open to possibility of change. And so some yeah. of the questions you ask around risk are, what risks have you taken in life and what were the results? What excuses have you had for not taking new risks? And I would say, and you mentioned some of them a little bit earlier, but fear, fear of looking dumb, fear of failing, what will they think of me? You know, I'm reminded of not living for the applause of people, but for the, you know, the praise of one. But I often live for the approval of other people. Mm -hmm. Did how many people liked my podcast? How many people <laughs> signed up for th yeah. this and that? But we we won't take risks if we're really concerned about what other people may think of us. Yep. Yep. Another question, what is the role of the will in taking risks? What is the role of our emotion? To yeah, unpack that a little bit. What does that mean? Yeah, I think related to what you were just saying about the fear factor. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we're facing into a decision or an opportunity or, you know, we feel like, well, God's calling me to do this, uh, but our emotions aren't on board. Mm. Right? And I think sometimes as we're making decisions, uh, you know, we have to weigh up what of this is an emotional response to the choice I have to make and what cognitively do I believe about this situation. Mm. I think for me, uh, you know, for our, with my example of Daryl and bringing him home, 
uh, you know, emotionally, I was scared to death. Mm. I think if I had gone with my emotion, I probably would have run the other way. I didn't want to be hurt anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, there was just a, a cognitive understanding that, you know what, God's called me to this and he's got it and he's got my heart. Uh, you know, even if this doesn't turn out as I hope it will, uh, he's got me. Right. And so making that conscious choice to move forward, even if the emotions aren't there yet. I love that because we can be so often ruled by our emotions. Yeah. I don't feel like it. I don't, you know, fill in the blank, but yeah. man, if God is calling us to it, and I'm even thinking of Peter, right? Yeah. <laughs> when Peter was in the boat yeah. and God called him out on the water to, yeah. to walk on water. And he's like, oh, really? <laughs> and the fear that he must have had, but he walked. Yeah. And then we all know the beautiful story. And if you don't, I highly recommend you can Google it. The story of Peter in the Bible. It's very inspiring mm -hmm. on taking risks and stepping out. Mm -hmm. But one other question you ask of readers is, is God calling you to take a risk right now? So I'm just going to ask mm -hmm. you guys who are listening right now. Just think about that question. Is God calling you to take a risk right now? And if so, is anything holding you back? Maybe even take a journal, grab a pen, put this thing on pause right now. And just ask God, God, am I holding back in any way? Have you called me into something right now? And I'm just shrinking back because your word says, if I shrink back, you will not be pleased because you have so much more for me. So maybe even take a journal what is holding you back? And then what would it look like to trust God and push away from the shore? What would it look like to trust God, mm -hmm. take the leap, take the invitation that he has created for you right now? So you guys, I just really encourage you to spend some time after you listen to this podcast or again, press pause. And if that resonates with you at all, to take some time to answer those questions and see how God wants to surprise and delight you and wants to have you live a life that is unleashed. His word says that he has come so that we may have life and have it to the fullest. And that's what we want for you too. Okay. Number 16 in here is seek healing. And I love that you guys put this here because in my 20s, I don't know that I knew that I needed healing, you know, and in my 30s, I really started this journey of healing where I, by the grace of God, was in small groups and had other people in my life that helped me to see my areas of woundedness and see the areas that were driving my life of of pain or disappointment that I had no clue were actually interrupting yeah. the present. And I think we need to go back and we need to search out those things. And our tendency might be like, well, that doesn't ha it's not happening anymore, so I'm fine. Well, no, because everything in our lives is formative. Yeah. So we have to seek healing. But, but tell us a little bit more about your perspective on that, seeking healing. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you that it's um, something that we all need to do. We all have places that need to be healed. And the intro to this chapter, we say, you know, don't imagine that the trauma of your childhood has been left in the past. It simmers under the surface and it will surprise you at how suddenly it can boil up or mm -hmm. suck you under. The work of healing those hard places might involve reading books or finding counseling. Don't be too afraid or too ashamed to ask for help. So good. Uh, and so a couple things there. I think, first of all, just the word trauma. Mm. When we hear that word, I know when I heard that word uh, not that long ago, I would have automatically imagined 
people who are surviving some of the things that are going on in our world right now, the hurricanes, right. or the earthquakes, uh, or these, you know, these big natural disasters or, uh, you know, child abuse or things like that. You know, we automatically understand those to be trauma. Mm. Uh, but uh, Peter and I like a definition by uh, Dr. Carl Lehman. Uh, in his book, he talks about trauma as being any significant experience as a child uh, can be quite small or seemingly minor. But if we aren't helped through it as a child, if we aren't helped through the process of of processing that, the emotion of it, right. uh, it kind of it goes underground and it sits there and it simmers. And then things in our present will trigger it. Mm. And then when those things, those hurts, those old, old hurts that are deep in there, when they get poked or triggered, we then respond to situations in the present with all of that old emotion. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, Peter, my husband, he might say something to me innocently, hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't mean anything, or he might do something like something silly, like leave his dirty socks on the floor. <laughs> but if it pokes something, yeah. I can respond to that with all of this anger or rage or sense of injustice or, you know, all this old hurt. And it, it's shocking sometimes. Mm. Like, where did that come from? Right. Uh, and so when you have that sensation of where did that come from? Why mm. is this thing in the present? Why do I have all this emotion, all this fear, or all this anger? That's good. Um, it's a pretty key sign that you're triggered. Mm. There's something old that needs to be healed uh, before you know that's going to go away. Otherwise, it's going to keep happening. Right. Right. And then the new hurts get kind of piled on top of the old one, and on and on we go. I love that, and I actually I think the book that you're quoting from is how to catch your past invading your future and what to do about yeah. it. Right. Yes. I, I love that book. Yes. It's like kind of heady in a lot of yes. places, but I do love that you brought that up because there are things that happen right now that you go from zero or I'll go from zero to a hundred and it's something so ridiculous. I'm like, yeah. why am I getting so twerked about or torqued about this? Yeah. But I love that you invite us to consider whenever we find ourselves thinking, well, why the heck did I react like that? It's, yeah. again, as you say, a pretty good indication that there's something lurking beneath that will drive our behavior if we do not uncover it yeah. and if we do not expose it and allow it to be healed, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. That's really, really good. And I could think about just the, the word you said being triggered as well is that we in the past and even now we something happens and then we, we tell a story to ourselves mm -hmm. which the definition you gave of trauma is like if i if, if an event occurs and then i kind of make up the ending so for example i love my mom and dad i think they're amazing and awesome and i remember as a kid you know just like any parents they would argue a lot mm -hmm. you know that just happens right mm -hmm. but as a little kiddo I thought it was because of me. Right. And so then I kind of made this story up in my head and that that had an impact on me as a young yeah. adult until I was able to see, you know what, that, that wasn't about you, Lisa. So I was able to dismantle or kind of remove that trigger button, but it's, it's being able to do that. What are the stories that we maybe told ourselves because mm -hmm. someone didn't really tell us what was going on in that moment and we made up a story and now we're attached to it. So helpful. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. All right, I think we might have time for one more and I, okay. I need to learn this one. So can we spend a little bit of time on number 17, which is live loved. Mm -hmm. 
And you said in the beginning of this chapter, wake up every morning and before you put your feet to the floor, let your mind and heart linger on the fact that the creator of the universe loves you passionately, completely, unconditionally, and eternally. Mm-hmm. Nothing matters more than this. Tell us about that. <laughs> Get a little choked up on this one. Mm. Um this is something I'm still learning. And I would say my new book, Pierced and Embraced, is sort of all about this. Mm. It's all about understanding Jesus' love for us as women in particular, looking at how he loved women in the Gospels so specifically and so intentionally and in so many uh, very personal ways. And Uh, I will always remember the night when kind of the light bulb went on for me of how bad I am at receiving love Mm. and and living from a place of, I'm just loved. I just am. Yeah. And I'm such a performance person. This is the contrast. This is the place I live out of. I have to perform. You know, I'm a firstborn, always been an overachiever, type A, perfectionist, on and on, you know, pretty classic case. Right. Uh, And so I live for praise. And... But I say in here um, something about, you know, praise is is very fleeting. And so it lasts for a moment and then I need to earn more of it mm. because it goes away. And, and so I'm working for the next bit of praise and it's a very poor substitute for love. Yeah. But it's what I crave um, in myself, in my fallen nature. Mm. And I, I think it, it satisfies and it doesn't. Right. And, and I don't need to keep striving for that. Um, I just am loved. That's just so because I am. hard. I know. So do you, you've, you said you're still working on that. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I will to the day I die. All right. I don't feel so <laughs> bad because, you know, and we know, especially as followers of Jesus, that the great gift of salvation yeah. is forgiveness and total and unconditional love that yeah. God looks down and says, I just see magnificence. I see you made in my image, mm. but that we live um, at such a poverty mentality when it comes to yeah. being loved. Like I, because the world tells us we have to earn, we have to earn right. love from earthly relationships yeah. because if Peter leaves his socks on the floor, not that you're going to love him less, but you might be, you know, annoyed mm-hmm. for a while, but God's like, all right, socks on the floor, still think you're awesome because you're yeah. created in my image. And man, I, I want to get to that place of really living loved too and, yeah. and not believing I have to perform or look a certain way or, you know, have a certain level of perfection to be acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you look at the way that Jesus loved uh, these women, hmm. uh, you know, one by one, we, I look in the, in Pearson Embrace, we look at, you know, the Samaritan woman at the well who was shunned from society. She's probably coming to the well at noon because she wants to avoid community. Um, Nothing, you know, she's had five husbands and the person she's with is not. Nothing, she has nothing to commend herself, Mm. right? And Jesus steps in and, and wants to be with her and wants to speak to her offers her grace, but speaks to her with truth Mm. um, and calls her into a relationship. And and then she drops her jug and runs into town and (laughs) and tells everybody, you know, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Mm. He knew me inside and out and he met me here in such a personal way. Uh, And, you know, I love that. And just encounter after encounter as he reaches into these women's lives no matter who they are, no matter their background, yeah. you know, no matter their sin. Mm. Uh, and he, he loves them. Mm. 
And so, yes, still learning that, but, um, but it's a good journey. Yeah. And I love that we'll end on that one because I really want you guys to end on the fact that you are loved by the creator of the universe. Like you don't even have to, you don't have to earn God's favor, Mm. live from his favor. And that's a, a book I read not too long ago that says we don't have to work for God's favor. We need to live from his favor. And I'm, I'm still, I'm still learning that as well. Well, girl, I'm so excited to be in this space with you. I, when I'm in your space, I always feel Mm -hmm. encouraged and that I get the opportunity to grow. And that's the other thing too, about these podcasts. It's so cool is that I get to hang out with people Mm -hmm. and learn along the way as well. But if you want to learn a little bit more about Kelly you can go to thisoddhouse.org. Mm-hmm. That's the blog that she had up and running. You can also go to Peter and Kelly, K-E-L-L-I.com and their website. And check out Kelly's new book, Pierced and Embraced. You can find that on Amazon.com for all of you Amazon peeps out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, really great read, again, to uh, remind us, especially for women, mm-hmm. how we are loved no matter what. So... Thanks for hanging out. Thank you. Hey, you guys. Great being with you again. Thanks for your feedback. Thanks for sharing these podcasts with your friends. We want to reach as many people as possible with these messages, hoping that it makes an impact, compels you to action, to live a life unleashed, and to live fully into who you were created to be. Until next time, see you then. (laughs) 